So good morning. It's great to be back home. Some of you are wondering, what is he talking about? Well, if you're brand spanking new here, you probably don't know that I was on staff here for a long time, and, and it's just awesome to be back. And uh, in February, started a new role uh, working with Phoenix Seminary and basically helping younger pastors in the community, encouraging them and helping them to network with each other and also to resource them. And so that's what I've been doing during the week. And as a part of that role, I'm also, when I'm not here, I'm not on vacation. Okay, so some of you are saying, man, it's been nice. Hey, you've been on a great vacation, man. No, I'm preaching in other churches. And more specifically, over the last, I don't know, since the 1st of May, I've been the interim preaching pastor at Bethany Bible Church. And uh, so they have been without a pastor for about a year and a half. They're looking for a next full-time pastor. And, and one of the things, there's a lot of inconsistencies going on there and a lot of up and down. And so this is something to give them some continuity during a very difficult time. So anyway, thanks for the freedom to do that. Caleb, thank you for the freedom to do that and uh, to represent you well. You know, I'm still a pastor here at the church, despite the fact that I just never show up on Sundays. You know, I'm like, I guess, on call. And so Caleb and I meet every couple of weeks, and you know, we're, we're spending some time, great time talking to each other. And then I told him, I said, look, I'll schedule around you if, if you've got some time you need me to speak, and I'll be glad to do that. So he called me some time ago. This has been on the books for a long time. And said, we're doing this series on family business, and I'd like for you to take the one on honoring your older parents, like aging parents, by caring for them. I'm going like, yeah. Go figure. Why would he ask me to do that one? Okay, so anyway, thank you, Caleb. I appreciate that opportunity. And uh, it, it is a reminder to me, you know, sometimes it's just tougher to get older, and there's just things that you can't do like you used to be able to do. And uh, those of you who know me, I like to play golf, and so it's not surprising to you that there would be a golf example coming. But there are these guys, and they were older, and they loved playing golf, and they had all of their lives, and, and they really were bemoaning the fact they were going to have to quit playing golf. And it's because, as they said to each other, they said, I just can't see the ball anymore. I can hit it fine. There's nothing with that. I just can't see where it goes. And so if I can't see where it goes, how can I play? Well, the other guy was doing with them. He said, you know what? I don't care anything about playing golf, sort of like Caleb. And so anyway, I don't care anything about playing golf, but my vision is great. It's like I got eagle eyes. You know, my distance vision especially is, is excellent. I always get flying colors when I go in for that. So why don't I just go with you? You hit the ball, I will watch where it goes, and we'll be golden. I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So they get up on the first tee when they go off, and the first guy whacks the ball, and sure enough, he's still got it. He laces it down the fairway, and then that guy hits the ball, and it laces down the fairway too. He says, you got it? Yeah, I got it. No problem. Saw where both of those went. So they hop in their cart, and they go right out to where the balls were, and they get close to where they thought it was, and said, where did it go? The guy went, I can't remember. <laughs> So there's all kinds of things that come with age. You know, you've probably heard of the serenity prayer. A lot of us, that's a great way to live, by the way. Serenity prayer is God grant me the serenity to accept the things that can't be changed and the, the uh, courage to change the things that can be changed and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. You've heard that, right? Or you've read it somewhere? What about the senility prayer? God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway the good fortune to run into the words I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference between the two. <laughs> so sometimes it can be a blessing. But this morning, you know, we want to talk about, as Caleb had asked me, honoring our aging parents. And the whole issue of memory when you're dealing with someone that's chronically 
dealing with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like that. It's just so sad. It's so hard to see on a lot of different levels. But there's even a greater uh, issue that I'm concerned about, and that is a collective sense of forgetfulness. That in our culture, in our society, that we don't forget those that have gone before us, both as parents and as mentors and as even godly people in the church. That we're not collectively forgetful of them just because they're not able to do what they used to do and be all the things that they used to be and provide the way that they used to provide. You know, a lot of the friends that I have that come from Asian cultures, they understand this better. A lot of the friends that I have come from African cultures, especially the continent of Africa, they get that better. And as I talk with them, it's mind-blowing to them that somehow we in the States seem to be afflicted by this forgetfulness. But as a church, we should lead in this. We shouldn't lag behind, and we should lead our culture. We should be salt and light in our culture addressing this very critical issue to grant honor and respect for honor and respect are due. Because there is coming in our culture today, I don't know if you know it or not, but it's what some people have called the graying of America or the silver tsunami. And that is that within the next 12 years, according to multiple sources, one out of five people in our culture will be over the age of 65. That has amazing ramifications to our culture. Matter of fact, William Hazeltine, who's a former professor at Harvard Medical School and Harvard School of Public Health, a guy that founded two different academic research departments, most well known for his degrees and for his work in the area of cancer, HIV, AIDS, and genomics. He also has been working more recently and founded a couple of different groups to help with providing affordable health care for those globally, especially in countries that have the least amount of resources. Doing some amazing things. Well, I just read an article by him in April of this year, 2018, and this is a series of articles for Forbes magazine, and here was one of the articles that was really sobering. And this is the quote, this is the title of the author. Aging populations will challenge healthcare systems all over the world. It's not just a matter of healthcare, it's the delivery systems all the way across our societies. This is a massive deal that's coming. And we as a church need to understand how do we deal with it. You know, for many that are in advancing years, what some have called the golden years, they're not all that golden, actually. It's a time of fear and apprehension and uncertainty and anxiety. The loss of friends. To me, the people that I know, and even with my own parents, my dad was just routinely the other day said, yeah, I got up in the morning, I checked the obituaries. He does that every day. And the sad thing is, most of the people who are dying are younger than he is. And most of his friends that he has been are no longer here. That's one of the difficulties of outliving your friends. So there's a concern about the loss of friends and social connection. There's a loss about, or there's a fear about finances and having a limited income, and is it going to be enough? You know, for people that have lived all of their lives and been able to provide now, that they're much more restricted in that. And there's a concern about, is my life going to outrun my income? There's a lot of people that are concerned about the loss of influence. You're talking about men and women who oftentimes have been in uh, situations where they have been the decision makers, they've been the movers, they've been the shakers, they've been the providers, they've been the protectors. They're the ones that people came to to ask questions. They're the leaders in, the, in society and heads of businesses, and now nobody wants to know. Now it's like, 
you're done. You're ancient. You're history. You're gone. You're passe. Well, that loss of influence leaves a void. It leaves a hole that's longing for something or someone to fill it. Health is an issue, just what you've already talked about. AARP says this, the Association of Adventure Retirement Peoples, whatever AARP stands for. I forget, so there. An estimated 90% of adults over 65 have one or more chronic conditions, such as diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, depression, hypertension. Do you hear that number, 90%? That's crazy. It's crazy scary. And so there's a lot of concern. So how do we, as the body of Christ, how do we take the lead? How do we begin to honor those that have gone before us? How do we provide for? How do we respond in a way that is honoring to Christ and helpful to people? Well, God's not left us without information. And I want to encourage you. We're going to look at several passages today. The first I'd like to look at is in Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. If you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with us digitally or in paper. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, we usually look at this as children, obey your parents in the Lord, and we focus on the children And as a church, we're really about children. We should be in families. That's awesome. They are the future. They're the next generation. I love the fact that Splash Camp with hundreds of kids on this campus, and some of you in the room this morning may be brand new because you saw the love and the grace that was extended to your children this week, and we're so glad that you're here. So we should have, always should have an emphasis for children and for families. But the question is, what about once we get beyond that, what about the other end of the spectrum of life? What are we doing and how are we handling that? And this next verse, which is the basis for children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Now, I want to maintain with you today that that verse certainly speaks to children And parents who have younger children say, amen, you preach, I'll turn the pages. But do you realize that it goes beyond dependent children? The children obey your parents is about dependent children, but when do you ever stop being your parent's child? Like never. You got that? We never stop being our parent's child. In this verse, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise. I think you're going to see if we look back at the original place that that was done. Paul's not the first one to write it. Matter of fact, God directed Moses to write the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Verse 16 says this, it's a part of the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions like somebody have taken it. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord has commanded you that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You define from Scripture, they keep going back to that touchstone over and over and over, even for adult children caring for their aging parents. This is not just about dependent children at home. God's saying, look, if if you'll honor me in this, I will honor you. The plight of the aged, the plight of those that are vulnerable, broaden it out, are very near to the heart of God. 
read through the scriptures and see if God is not near. And he consistently talks about it. His heart is for the poor. His heart is for the downcast. His heart is for the alien and the stranger in the land. His heart is for the widows and the orphans. James, the brother of Jesus, picks up on that. When in James chapter 1, he says, you want to know what true religion and that which is pure and undefiled is? It's this. It's not going to church and singing. It's not doing all these great things. Nothing wrong with those things. He says, this is pure religion, undefiled. That's to visit or care for the widows and the orphans in the day of their distress. It's always had a heart for God. Should have a heart among God's people. That's what it means. Honor your mother and your father. Now, what does that really mean? Well, whatever it means, and there's many different applications at the heart of it, if you look at the meaning of the words themselves, it, it revolves around love and respect. It's acting toward another person in the way that's in their best interest. Not just to say, go away, you bother me. It's dealing with someone in a way that's in their best. And that involves sacrifice in many different ways. And it shows respect and it shows honor. That's what the word honor really is all about. But it is not a one shape, one size fits all. One of my mentors, one of my spiritual fathers, you might say, was a professor in seminary by the name of Dr. Haddon Robinson. He is the one who not only taught me essentially how to preach, but he was also one who taught me a lot of lessons about life. And I remember listening to one of his sermons. And you know, this is a downer for most preachers is very few people could ever remember your sermons. This was one I remember of his because he was talking about how do you determine God's will for your life. And I don't remember all the text that he used or all the points of the sermon. Here's what I do remember is one of his applications. How do you determine what God's will is in caring for aging parents? And he talked about his own example where there were two different approaches. In his mother's, uh, in his wife's mother's situation, they brought her into their home. And they cared for her until the day that she died. And his wife, Bonnie, slept at the foot of his, her mother's bed every single night to be there in case she needed something through the evening. Would you say that was honoring her mother? Say yes. In his dad's situation, this is Dr. Robinson's situation, they didn't do that. He said, we couldn't. Our marriage was not at a place, our situation, his needs were not at a place where we could meet those needs. So they found a place to care for him and provide the care that he needed. And Dr. Robinson said, I went by every day to spend time with my dad. And every day he said, son, take me out of this place. Take me away from here. I don't want to be here. And every day he would go back and hear the same message. Was that honoring his father? Say yes. The issue that he was raising was there are two different faces to this, two different approaches but in both cases, there was a common bond of we're doing it because of our love for our parents and what we believe is in their best interest. That makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? 
None of us to judge each other for decisions that are made. Instead, we need to encourage and support one another. And each of us needs to make decisions with that governing principle. Is this love? Is this acting toward another person in what we believe is in their best interest? I don't mean doing a cavalier thing about that. I mean genuinely so. I want to tell you it was one of the harder things that, that Emily and I ever did for her mom for the last few years of her life to be in a retirement facility, but I can guarantee you it extended her life and it extended the quality of her life due to the socialization that she had. She was eating better. She wouldn't remember that she hadn't eaten when she was living independently, and she was only a mile from her son. And I know Emily and Sam did a marvelous job in caring for their mom, as did Anne, their sister-in-law. It was a great and important decision. There was a collective decision that was made and was done out of love. Sometimes what this honoring means is to provide financial assistance. In the passage that I mentioned before, one of the specific applications of this is in, um, where is it? See, I'm forgetting what happens when you deviate from your outline um, this is really great I mean this is a classic example here <clears throat> okay first Timothy 5 okay in first Timothy 5 if I just thought about it instead of falling out line I've been cool okay <clears throat> it's talking about family relationships and in first Timothy 5 what Paul is teaching is look there are a lot of people in your congregation that are widows how are you going to care for them in 1 Timothy 5.8, he says this. He says, if a person does not care for the members of his own household, he is denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. You see how high a priority God places on this? 1 Timothy 5.8. Now, if that's wrong, check with me out there and we'll, I'll repent publicly and on the video and all that stuff. Okay. But that's it. Is that it, Tiffany? Oh, good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I really appreciate that. So anyway, 1 Timothy 5.8, if a person denies the members of... That's in the context of caring for widows. It's saying it's not primarily the church's responsibility as it is, I mean, the individual first. That's what God is saying. There's another thing that we see in Jesus' response to the Pharisees, and this is in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew 15... The Pharisees came to him like they frequently did. And the Pharisees, for those of you that may not know, and just need to refresh your reminder, the Pharisees were supposedly experts in the law, in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scriptures. And yet they would come along and they would say, well, the people don't have enough understanding of that, so we're going to give them explanation. So that's called the rabbinic law. And that was a lot of the thing that Jesus always balked at. Well, Jesus didn't encourage his disciples to obey the rabbinic law with all the traditions of men. He always had them follow God's law. And so the Pharisees, these religious lawyers, so to speak, were challenging him as to why he wouldn't do this. And so here's what he responds in Matthew 15. When they ask, why do you not have your disciples keep all the traditions of the elders? He answers them, verse 3, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother. And whoever, I don't want to get there. Honor your father and mother. Then verse 5, but you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. 
For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Now, let me just pause with you there for a second. What's that saying? He's saying that the Pharisees generally were a pretty well-to-do group. And they came up with a tradition that they stamped as this is God's approved. And that was this. It was called the law of Corbin. Whatever you had financially, you could set aside and say this money, these materials, this possession is dedicated to God. But as long as you're alive, you can manage it however you see fit. For God's glory, of course. So if your parents come to you and their financial need, you can say, look, I would love to help you. Mom, I would love to help you. Dad, but all that I have has been dedicated to the Lord. It's under the law of Corbin. Do you get the picture? He says, you hypocrites. You are... Did Isaiah prophesy this of you? He prophesied well when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. God says, look, even with your religious traditions, if you say, I can't help you, but I made a pledge. I know what I've got. I could help you with this, but I've already dedicated it to the Lord. That's really self-centered and self-serving. You know, in practically speaking and caring for finances, sometimes that mom or dad may have enough, but what they need is someone to come alongside of them and help them manage it. My mom and dad were successful in business all the years. He's a contractor, and, and yet late in life had some financial reversals they just didn't have time to recover from. And so in essence, they're living on Social Security right now, and they can make it pretty well. They've tightened their belts, and they can make it as long as there's no unexpected expense. So my brother, who also does some financial planning, is standing in the gap, and he's helping them. He's taken over the responsibility with my dad of governing their checkbook and their decisions. And their, That's a great way to honor mother and father, even though it creates some tension at times. But that's a way to do it. Another way is those of us in the family, we have had to band together and figure out some ways to help supplement what they're getting on Social Security because it's just not enough. When there's a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollar medical bill that comes in, how is that going to be covered? Those are ways to honor mother and father, and sometimes they involve finances. But a bigger issue is time and presence. I don't mean presence like we get at Christmas, I mean your physical, visible presence. During the time that my mother-in-law, Mildred, was at the Heritage, which was the retirement center where she lived, she uh, met a lady. A lady was a friend. She was a hoot. Her name's Lorraine. She taught, teach, she taught school all of her life in Mississippi, and she was just an amazing lady. And she was always talking about her son and bragging on her son. He was this high-powered, uh, successful business person and showing us newspaper clips and all these types of things. You know, the strange thing is, none of us ever saw him visiting his mother, ever. He was conspicuous by his absence. But there was another guy. This guy, you would not know him at all. His name is John Brady, unless you follow NCAA basketball ravenously. And I do, and I didn't know him. He was the head coach at Louisiana State University, in 2006, when his team was in the Final Four, that's the national championship in Atlanta, Georgia. 
Now, do you think there was anything going on around that that he might have been pretty busy and preoccupied with his thinking? I mean, this is, there's no bigger stage in college basketball. And yet because Lorraine had been his elementary school teacher, he sought her out, drove over an hour, and spent time with her, telling her how much he appreciated her and her investment in his life. Now, I ask you a question like Jesus would. Which of these two showed honor? You know the answer to that, don't you? So when you are there, when there is time, when there is presence, what do you do? Here's some thoughts that came from practical conversations that I had a year ago. And when the last time I preached here, but Caleb also asked me to preach that sermon, so I'm seeing a trend of developing here. Maybe the next time is when we had to do a funeral for an aging parent. I don't know. Uh, you'll probably preach mine, so that's a moot point. But anyway, uh, what do you do? I'm going to give you some suggestions that came from some of you. So let me just tell you, here are some of the thoughts. Sing hymns with them. Read the hymns. Sing hymns. You know, the memory may be fading a lot of times. The words of those hymns doesn't or don't. I saw that in the life of my grandma, grandfather who lived almost to 100. He did not recognize his own daughter, my mother, but he could sing every word of every stanza of some of the classic hymns of the faith. And he could tell you where he was saved at Mount Faneuil's Baptist Church with Brother Baumgartner. I never met any of them. I've never been to that place. But he never forgot them because it was a part of his heart. Read the Bible. Read cards. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. It might get boring and monotonous to you, but it's like a lifeline for them. Physical touch, hugs, looking in the eye, displaying physical tenderness. Talk about memories. I know you've heard this story 16 bazillion times. It's fresh to them. Talk about the memories. Pictures. Take them back to the past. Find out where their comfort zone is and focus there Assure them, I'll always take care of you. Now, don't tell them how. That may change. Remember, depending on love and what's in their best interest, but I will care for you. Be an advocate for them. One person said this about be careful with the emotions that go and, and the concerns, and you might lose memory, but not your emotions. And here's what was said. I don't know who you are, but I know that I love you. That's powerful, isn't it? presence as you're there practice patience and forgiveness you know one of the things that's difficult as parents may oftentimes become more self-centered demanding and unappreciative they become not just childish they become child not just childlike but they become childish and selfish oftentimes so understand this is a dynamic and if it happens look trust the grace of God to give you the ability to forgive and to move forward and he will re return that I, in many cases, there's no filter, so don't take it personally. Uh, one of my grandfathers, he was a consummate gentleman all of his life. Never, ever a question as to what he would do, but when he got older, oh my word, it was embarrassing. My mom wanted to crawl into the table numerous times, as did anybody else that was in the room, by the things that came out of his mouth. It wasn't because he was unspiritual or mature, he just didn't know filter. Like you don't if you go to the dentist and you get some of that good stuff, all right? You're not responsible for what you say. 
And you can see a renewed intimacy. I've seen that in my own parents, where with my dad caring for his dad, they were both bulls in china shops. They were cut out of the same bolt of cloth, and I don't have time to go into it, but I'm going to tell you, in the latter years when my dad was caring for my grandfather when he had had a stroke, I watched an intimacy that had long since been gone be rekindled. And try to look at this as a heritage. Learn from those that have the experience that's there. There's a joy of shared experiences that you can tap into, of traveling from place to place and the daily routines, even if it's a trip to the doctor's office and taking meals together, living in the same home, time with grandkids and sharing memories. Take advantage of that. Watch others age well. Not everybody becomes more selfish and sinister and some actually grow in their love for Christ. It's very tender. They sense that they're coming near the end of their life. Learn from that because there's no reason to wait till then. Some are more concerned about the needs of others than themselves. And some choose joy over their difficulty. Some, Doug Addison said, his mom actually became much sweeter as she approached the end of her life. Sweeter than he ever knew her before. You know, if that happens, thank God. And and tap into that but one of the things that you could help is to ask a person you know what advice do you have for me so you can learn from them I had that experience with the younger pastor just the other day and he's moved from a much larger church to being the solo pastor at a much smaller church and reminded me when I first came here to Desert Springs and he asked me that question sitting over a cup of coffee he said what advice do you have for me what would you go back and do differently what would you do similarly that shows a lot of humility and respect to ask a person that, and there's a wealth of wisdom that's here. It's important that you do that. But I want to say this to you who are caregivers, not to heap more guilt on you leaving today. Understand you also need to set some boundaries for yourself because if you're not able to help, then who will? So it's the type of thing to where understand it's stressful. 2015 report by the National Alliance for Caregiving and that AARP, which I can't remember what those initials stand for, said this, caregivers who provide unpaid care for at least 21 hours a week report the highest stress of all caregiving groups. The highest stress. Learn to set appropriate boundaries. That's not unloving. In the long term, that's very loving. It's not selfish, it's being wise. And one of the ways that you can do that is lean into the extended family, the church. You don't have to do this by yourself. Uh, one of the ways is coming to worship and being a part of different times where your own spiritual growth and your own soul could be nurtured and developed. The more you become like Jesus, the more you will be able to respond like Jesus, not out of guilt or coercion, but because that's, he gives you the wisdom on how to do it and the grace and the strength. So don't neglect your own spiritual health, your own relationships in the parson. There's, there's groups within this church that you can tap into. The Berean group is one. That's a marvelous group of senior saints who love ministering to each other. You can find out more about opportunities for your growth, including the Berean group right here in your ministry guide that's in the card holder in front of you in the aisle. And I just encourage you to do that. And as we encourage each other, it provides hope. This is not a caring for an elderly parent story so much, but it speaks to this issue of mentoring or spiritual parenting. 
And it really speaks to the value for all of us within the body of Christ. <clears throat> Nicholas Mwangi is a part of our congregation. He comes originally from Kenya. Nicholas has never, ever known his father. He has not known who his father is. But thank God there are a number of people who have spoken into his life and come alongside of Nicholas and, and helped to minister to him as he has ministered to many of us. And by God's grace, he just graduated from Phoenix Seminary and he wants to go into full-time Christian service. <clears throat> so we had a graduation event that we hosted at our home, Emily and I did. And a number of you were present at that. And we had a time of praying for Nicholas, but we also had a time of sharing how we had seen Jesus in his life. And I got to tell you, many, many positive things were shared, but one of the things that really gripped my heart, and I said, yes, that's right, came from a single mom. And she shared in that something to this effect, because I was so gripped by her words and the importance of them. She said to Nicholas, I am so thankful for you, especially as the mother of a single boy, I mean, as a single mother of a young boy, when I see you and I see what God is doing in your life, it gives me hope. It gives me hope. That's what happens in the body of Christ when we minister with one another and we minister to one another. Should this area be any different? No. Let's help one another. Let's lean on each other. Let's encourage one another. Let's allow God to give us hope through one another. Would you pray with me, please?